Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host Jordan Ronan, ESPN, ESPN.com, Giants reporter. We're here now in week 16. And guess what? For the first time since September, we can at least talk a little bit about a Giants victory and a positive step in the right direction. At least a good day for Giants fans on multiple fronts because if you think about it on Sunday, now we're sitting here, we're taping this on Wednesday, we're going to turn it forward in a second. But let's enjoy the moment for a minute, right? Let's go back, think about it, soak it in, and enjoy it one last time. Eli Manning, his send-off game, his farewell tour, it ends, likely, we believe, because Daniel Jones is practicing with the first team now this week, with a victory over the Miami Dolphins. And I get it, the Miami Dolphins, they stink, okay? 36-20, the Giants win. It doesn't matter. Eli gets a nice ovation from the crowd, makes a couple plays at home. Wasn't his best game, a little up and down, threw three interceptions, but also threw for 283 yards, uh, two touchdowns. So there was some good, there was some bad, but forget that for a second. Giants fans got to say thank you. Thank you, Eli. You helped us win two championships. You're going to get into the Hall of Fame when all said and done. You're probably the greatest quarterback in Giants history, at least statistically you are. So gave him a little nice little ovation. He got a little emotional. And I'll even tell you, this is how it ended. So the Giants, the game is ending. Okay, I'm going down to the field a little bit early because, you know, the game, we knew where it was headed. It was going to be a relatively easy Giants victory. Those are coming down, wasn't coming down to the final seconds. So I go down to the field. Because I want to see Eli walk off. I want to kind of experience and hear the crowd. Because when you're in the press box, you you don't really get the you don't the noise. Is, you don't really get a true indication of the noise and what's really going on outside. In that regard, For, regards to atmosphere, you can see, but atmosphere wise, you don't really get it. So I go down to the field. Eli's coming off. He's jogging off, and uh, you know this is right after he he starts to get a little bit emotional on the scoreboard. And as he's coming into the tunnel, his family's waiting for him there. Now, let me just explain to you for a second. This isn't a normal thing. You don't go, as you're going off the field, right when you're going off the field into the tunnel, into the locker room, and have your family there. Usually, and this holds true for everybody, holds true for Eli Manning, holds true for Saquon Barkley, your family's not there. They'll meet you afterwards, after you go to the locker room, after... You know, the coach gives a speech or whatever, and whatever you need, guys need to do in the locker room, you shower up and you leave, and your family waits. There's a sort of like a fam, there's a family room in the stadium, underneath the stadium, where the families wait for their loved ones. Or sometimes they're out right outside the locker room. But this wasn't a normal day. Kind of reminds me of when Tom Coughlin was coaching his last game, and his family, all his grandkids, his kids, they were there down on the field before and after the game as well, taking pictures, soaking it in, you kind of knew that that was the end for him. And you're kind of getting the feeling with Eli Manning, given the way that the other day went, he walks up the field, his three daughters run up to him, you know, give him hugs. His son's there with the wife. His wife's name is Abby, by the way. Same same name as my wife. Uh, we also have his oldest daughter, same age as my daughter. You know, two peas in a pod minus the $250 million between us. But anyway, so, you know, his daughters hug him, emotional moment, picks up his son, holds him for a minute, and then he goes into the locker room, 
the wife and children start walking away, and you could see I was started as I'm walking back towards the press room. You could see his wife, tears, uh, very emotional, not just your normal after every game kind of atmosphere. So it makes you think there's a good chance that that's the last time we're going to see Eli Manning play in a Giants uniform and possibly and likely ever again. Now, I wrote about it a couple weeks ago. It's possible and likely he does want to play if the situation presents itself and it's perfect and he can go maybe for one year and pop in on a team that's maybe made to win and he could be Peyton in his final year. But is that opportunity really going to present itself? Does that team really exist out there that's picture perfect, made to win a Super Bowl, and they want to ride a 39-year-old Eli Manning? I'm not so sure about that. Now, is he going to go and be a, oh, he has to go compete with somebody else for a starting job or a backup? I just don't, that's not, that's not going to happen. You have to be realistic. So the likelihood, especially after watching this, is either Eli decides when the opportunity doesn't present itself or, you know, the league does it for him and basically says, retires him for himself, one or the other. It seems like that's the likelihood of what's going to happen. I, and probably sometime in what, January, February, maybe even early March. I think by then he kind of has to make his decision. And I think he will. And I think there's also some people, including Archie, who has told me this on multiple occasions, that he thought Eli would never want to play for another team. So there's people out there, I know John Mara feels like this, that they don't want to see him in another uniform. They want Eli Manning to play his entire career in a Giants uniform, with that being his last game on Sunday, jogging off a winner, getting a nice send-off from the home fans, and really just a quality feeling of a good afternoon in a terrible season. And to make it even better for Giants fans to digest all this is they win a game. So they're now 3-11, and and it still doesn't really drop them in the draft order. So they're still second in that regard. And that brings us to this week. And I know on 98.7 ESPN New York, my buddy Dave Rothenberg has been saying this all week. This week is kind of a must-lose game for the Giants. You don't hear that very often, right? A must-lose game. Because they're playing the Redskins. Now, the Giants and the Redskins have a similar record right now. They have the same. They're 3-11. and But the Giants have the worst strength of schedule, which means... They're likely going to pick ahead of the Redskins in the draft if they finish tied. Okay? So whoever loses this game, and there's a, is there anyone else 3 and 11 out there? The Dolphins are 3 and 11 as well, but the Giants again, worse strength of schedule. The Lions are one to watch about. They have a pretty bad strength of schedule. Uh, they're 3 10 and 1, but the likelihood is somebody, whoever loses out, gets that second pick, right? We're going to give the Bengals credit. They're 1-13 and 13, that they're going to end up getting that pick, barring winning both their last two games. We're going to give the Giants credit. They're going to get, they lose out. The likelihood, it's almost certain, is they'll pick second overall. That means Chase Young, Ohio State defensive end, outside linebacker, edge player, whatever you want to call him. Really a top, top, top prospect. And what do the Giants and Redskins need? They both drafted quarterbacks this past year. The loser of this game has the inside track to Chase Young, who, if you've been listening, is a premium 
prospect. Todd McShay had him going to the Giants. Second overall in his mock draft came out on Tuesday. And the comment that McShay has, and I'm paraphrasing, was that best pass rush prospect since Von Miller. And what would fit perfectly in this Giants defense? We've talked about it all year. They need playmakers on defense. They need a pass rush. They need a number one top pass rusher, a guy who's going to wreak havoc in the backfield and consistently make opposing quarterbacks uncomfortable. The Giants are a team that their their history is built on defense, built on pass rushers. Lawrence Taylor, Michael Strahan, Justin Tuck, O.C. Uminura. I mean, these are some of the guys that they, they were regulars, constants over the last, what, 30 years. And now Marcus Golden is looking to become their first, has the nine sacks. That's the most since Robert Ayers like four or five years ago. I mean, that's what we'll be dealing with. That's not the same level pass rusher Robert Ayers and Marcus Golden. Chase Young, that fits the Giants. That fits the history of the Giants, of what you, what most people want the Giants to be. And really, what you need to do in today's NFL is you need to be able to pass the ball. That's how you score points. And you need to affect the passer on the other side of the football and create turnovers, sacks, do enough to disrupt the opposing offense. Because the rules said in a thousand times. They're changed. They're made for you to pass the ball, to throw it around the yard. That's what it is. So this week, that makes this almost a must-lose game down in Washington for the Giants. Huge for the future of the franchise. And here's the other scenario I posit, right? Listen to this. The Giants get the number two pick. Okay, Joe Burrow is considered pretty much the consensus number one right now. LSU quarterback. Now, most people I've talked to thought that Tua, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name, Alabama quarterback, you know who he is. That Tua was an even better prospect than Joe Burrow. Now, if the Giants had the number two pick and Tua didn't hurt his hip and he's healthy, all of a sudden you have Joe Burrow and Tua potentially as the number one and two pick. And if you have the number two pick, that then puts you in a gigantic position of power, especially when there's a team lurking that loves Tua, the Miami Dolphins. There's teams that need quarterbacks, right, that we're looking at that are in the top, going to be in the top half of the draft. Look, think about it for a second. All right, Giants and Redskins, they don't need a quarterback. The Bengals need a quarterback, okay? The Carolina Panthers need a quarterback. The Miami Dolphins need a quarterback. The L.A. Chargers need a quarterback. So that's four right there. And we're not even getting into the Colts, Jaguars, and even Broncos. I know Drew Locke has looked all right. but So I just named four, and there's other teams. Those are all teams with losing records. Losing records. And I didn't even mention the, the Raiders, another team, losing record. So you, you go and you have the number two pick, and remember RG3, right? It was Andrew Locke and uh, Andrew Luck and RG three? Okay, and 
Remember how much they got the Washington Redskins were able to had to trade up to go get RG three. If if two of actually does check out physically, and people are that still get back to the point where they're that high on them, then the Giants have an amazing earn an amazing spot, amazing spot. You have leverage. You're in a position of power. You can trade that pick for multiple first round picks. Do whatever you want. You become the team in power of the first round. So if you're the Giants, you're crossing your fingers. Crossing your fingers. That, hey, you could lose this game, get that number two pick, and the stock of Tua gets back up. Because if that's the situation, they're going to be in a really good spot to do some big things in this NFL draft. Now, of course, we don't know who's going to be making those decisions. Do you entrust Dave Gettleman to make those decisions? You know I don't. I made a list the other day. I don't have it with me, but it was on my desk at home. Of things that just make me concerned from the almost from the start with Dave Gettleman. It put, exactly in this situation. One, he drafted a running back number two overall when we know the team just wasn't ready. Two, he kept rolling back Eli Manning when we knew they weren't going to be able to compete with him. He signed Odell and then traded him. All these things, philosophically, right? He traded for Leonard Williams in the middle of the season when they were 2-6 and six and everybody knew they weren't going anywhere. A guy who's going to be a free agent. Now, I'm not even talking about missing out on evaluations. That's going to happen. And you're going to make mistakes. So, okay, they messed up. They thought Alec Ogletree was good. All right? They thought that uh, Jonathan Stewart had some juice left in his legs. Fine. You messed up on those evaluations. I could even live with that. But when we're talking about philosophically team building and drafting a running back too when they were so far away and and all these other moves that I just mentioned, signing Odell to a huge deal. I mean, the Giants have $60 million basically sitting there doing nothing for them this year. That's insane. The only way to get to that point is bad management. And that's how they put themselves in this situation. So I don't, I, I, if the Giants get in that spot and they have the number two overall pick and Tua's stock is back up and everybody wants Tua or everyone wants Joe Burrow one and two and those guys are considered head and shoulders above everyone else. And you know, this is a quarterback league. The Giants are in this great spot. They get multiple picks or get Chase Young, whatever. I don't want Dave Gettleman making that decision. I don't know about you. On to the next one. Let's welcome in our Redskins reporter for the ESPN NFL Nation, John Kime. Been on the Redskins beat for quite a while, so uh, you've pretty much seen it all, I would say. Is that, a, is that a fair assessment? Well, it's not because I haven't seen a lot of winning, so I haven't seen <laughs> everything else. I've seen almost everything, but I have not seen any sort of a deep playoff run or anything like that. But I figure maybe another 25 years and they'll get there. I mean, we'll fight to death later on, you know, who's what on who and what's worse between Giants and Redskins. We'll do we'll do we'll play a little game at the end here. But let's start out with the state of the Redskins, right? You have to start right there at the quarterback position, obviously, one that interests Giants fans because they had the choice, Daniel Jones or Dwayne Haskins. We know how it went down, but Tell me, like, where is Dwayne Haskins? What are you seeing from him? And are people actually optimistic now? 
I think they're more optimistic than they were, certainly after the first time the Redskins played the Giants when he went in for the first time. He was not nearly prepared to go in and handle a game situation like that. I don't think he truly believed he'd ever get in, so I don't think he was preparing the same way. Um, you know, Bill Callahan told us on Wednesday that he was that Haskins was light years ahead of where he was at that time. So I think you know the the first couple times he went in after those times the bar was set relatively low because he just didn't look good. Well, he's looked he steadily has gotten better and he's coming off statistically his best game and I think overall it was probably his best game against uh, when they played the Eagles last week and a lot of it was just um, I felt like the coaches gave him put him in a better spot because they were um, a little bit more less tendency heavy so that helped so he could sometimes throw when than they, in the past they hadn't been and there was a lot more quick throws I think that's more what he suited for right now and, and I think it got him into a rhythm, and I think he's a very much a rhythm thrower. So you've seen the improvement. I think you've seen, you've heard the improvements as far as like how he relays plays to the line and and guys in the huddle. Um, that's been better. He had a hard time. Because right, you that talked about that guy. being a problem when I remember when I talked to you before that first right. game. Right, and it, and it was, and like, and and I don't think like he's coming from a situation at Ohio State. He told me that when you're at Ohio State, he probably called eight plays a game in the huddle. Everything else was relayed to them from the sidelines. Now, sometimes he had to make right. adjustments on the field, but everything's relayed from the sidelines. So that was difficult, and he's gotten better there. So there's, there's I mean, you're really talking about starting from like, like real bare bones, basic almost, though, right? Yeah, I mean, call, yeah, we're talking about we're talking about calling plays here, right? And I think, and here's the problem: like he is, he's a drop back, he's a pocket passer who doesn't have a lot of experience. That's a hard combo. Like, you can have a Kyler Murray who doesn't have that experience, but he's got the legs to make it work. You know, right. he can make plays with his legs. It helps regulate the defense, and it puts you in a different spot. Dwayne has to be good from the pocket and to be good. For, and so he had, you know, so he also had to handle the plays and all that. So, but you have to, there was so much more that he had to learn. And this is what I would tell people here, fans here, like, this is about building, this is not about getting more reps. If he had taken five first team reps the first couple of weeks, He'd be, he wouldn't be any different. You know, it was all about the extra work he had to do and to build the foundation. That's what they're really trying to get at right now. So do you think our fans sold that he could be their quarterback, you know, their future franchise quarterback, that he's the guy? Is, is anybody I at think, that point yet, you think? I think they're more sold than they – I think fans are more sold than they were a few weeks ago because he has steadily improved. So they've seen some some changes in him, and they've seen there's still signs of the the you know him being a 22 year old, and, and still kind. Of, I don't want to call him immature. I think he's every bit 22. Right. How about um, raw? Is raw the right term there? Raw, raw. Yeah. But well, I say the reason I say every 22 because when you see him taking selfies after, at the end of games, <laughs> that's 22. You know what I mean? So like yeah. the the rawness on the field, but the the 22 is in a few other places. Right. But um. So yeah, you know, I think I do think fans are. I think they are when I when I go on the local radio shows and all that the questions you get asked it's different than it was a few weeks ago and I even had a player tell me today in the locker room that he feels like Dwayne's going to be really good now you weren't really hearing that a few weeks ago or a month or so ago from guys I don't think I'm not sure that they were convinced of what they had I still think there's a long ways to go here but I think there's more optimism than there was several weeks ago all right so let's say let's play a little hypothetical I know this is a tough one because we don't really know but let's say the Redskins do clear house. Bruce Allen actually gets let go, right? And they have a new regime in place. 
Do you think that regime is going to have to be sold on Dwayne Haskins, or it could be like, a, is there a possibility that somebody can convince, uh, I'm talking about Daniel Snyder here, the owner, that sort of like the Arizona, where they're going to say, well, if we're right. coming in, we're going to, we need to bring our own guy. We're going to restart. We, this, Joe Burrow's that good. We need this guy or whatever, whoever it is. Well, right. I think, listen, Jordan, you know, the interesting one would be is if they somehow, let's say, since we're in hypotheticals, let's say they hired Urban Meyer. Right, he knows that's his Dwayne, guy. He knows Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, that would be the one that would be most interesting, and I think that's one where I think, to me, my guess that Snyder would in that case would probably say, if you know, if well, first of all, if I'm Urban Meyer and I'm taking the job and I have that chance that if I can make that decision, I'm not taking the job unless I can. So you know, if that's right. who you want, so I think let's start with that, and then I think you know, then I think from Snyder's perspective, I think he might say, you do what you want. You know, now I will say, I, I think very few people might convince him to do that because Snyder was the guy who really wanted Haskins. Right. He was telling people here in the organization a year before he was the draft that he was going to be the best player in college. His son, his son goes to the same school that Haskins went to. They're not buddies. They're not friends. They weren't in school at the same time, but they're, that's the connection. And so, um, you know, I think there's, there's a definite, um, you know, it's it's the owner's guy. But I so think even if, if they do blow the guy, out, even if they do blow out uh, everyone in the organization, the likelihood is that Snyder, you're saying, is going to hire somebody that's on board with Haskins more likely well, than listen, not. And he, yes, and, and here's and I'll explain this too. Like I was talking to somebody in the organization a month or so ago about this, and he's like, "Listen, any coach who comes in or to interview is going to say that they're sold on Dwayne Haskins." He said, and his comment was, Jay Gruden said he was sold on Robert Griffin III, and then he said, and six months later it was, I can't win with this guy. Right. So they're going to say what they can. Right, in order to get the job. job. And so, and the one thing that's the benefit here is, let's say you did have the first pick, and let's say a coach can't convince Snyder to move off that. Well, then you end up with Chase Young. <laughs> you right. know, or maybe you trade back a spot, and you get another couple picks, and you still get Chase Young, and someone else gets Burrow. So you get maybe the best player in the draft, and then – then you see if Haskins pans out next year, and if not, if you're back up in that same spot, maybe you get you know um, Lawrence from from Clemson. You right. know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. he, I think he, he's he's, the, the he's probably the ultimate prize to be honest with you. I think he'd be the ultimate prize, and I, you know Justin Fields from Ohio State's really good, but I think Lawrence is a pro quarterback. Yeah. Right now has has it, and he's I think that's be, he's going to be just an so, uber prospect. So I, I, like, you, like, yeah, we haven't so seen think, in a long time. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I think you can do some things to to maneuver yourself, and if Haskins is bad next year, then you're probably going to be back in that same a similar spot. Um, and, you know, so I think that's how I could see it. But I think the one guy I'd be most interested in seeing is if they somehow, and again, hypothetical, if they somehow ended up with Urban, and then he says, listen, I coached both these guys. Burrow's the guy you want. I don't see how Dan Snyder says, well, I hired you. I'm giving right. you $10 million a year, but you're sticking with this guy. No, so that's Urban, that. Haskins, and Chase Young. There you go. Right? So, wait, hold on, hold on. You brought up the name. So let me just ask you this before we get into this Chase Young discussion. Here, there's a, everyone's saying the Giants need to lose this game. They need to lose this game because they, they, their, their strength of schedule is the worst. They lose these last right. two games. They're most likely getting that two pick. That this is almost right. like a must-lose game for the Giants <laughs> in order to get Chase Young. How much is that? Are people down there thinking the same thing? Are they that yes. in love with Chase Young? Is, that, is, is this yes. a, a you know Chase Young bowl coming up? 
Yes, and from the fans' perspective, yes. Based on what I see and hear and on social media, yes, because they know. I think the ideal thing for this fan base right now would be to see Haskins throw for 300 yards, three touchdowns, and for the Redskins to lose 24-21. Hey, Giants fans want to see the same thing. Daniel Jones, no turnovers, three touchdowns, but lose. (laughs) Yeah, I listen – if this game gets to overtime and both teams are taking knees or something, then you know, there's something going on here. But, but it is, but I think, like, from a fan's perspective, I do think that that's what would be ideal. And, um, you know, um, so, yeah, I think they, they would – I think fans here would love to have Chase Young. I'm curious. What's anybody, the, anybody should. Anybody yeah, should. I, I mean, you're, you're an Ohio State guy, actually, so yeah, you're – you, you, you know, you know. I mean, this guy – He's better I, than Bosa. Yeah, McShay said best – draft prospect as an uh, edge rusher, pass rusher since Von Miller. And that's high praise because yeah, Von Miller was the number one is. pick and he's one, he's an all-time, all-time great player. So And Todd said, he, Todd said he would take him over Burrow. Yeah, well. But not, but not Lawrence. Yeah, that's the thing that we really don't know. The Bengals are the ultimate wild card in these things. They yeah. they operate in a different manner than everyone else in the league. They you know they 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 have like five scouts on their whole team. Like they just they just they beat to their own drum. Nobody ever yeah. knows what the Bengals are doing. So we really shouldn't discount that. But I'm curious, what's the perception down there and from you of Daniel Jones from a distance? Um, honestly, I don't know that people here think about him all that much. I don't think there's a lot of thought given to him because he wasn't really somebody that they were paying attention to before the draft. I know before the draft, the perception was, for especially for fans, was no thanks because there was nothing that he did that really got anybody excited. You know, even if he had been the best quarterback um, or or the better quarterback of the two, it's just that, you know, right. Haskins is a local kid. He threw for 50 touchdowns at Ohio State. Just you know, Heisman finalist, and with Daniel Jones, it was like oh, got his you know, teeth kicked in at Duke. Yeah, I mean, so oh, he had a great coach to for quarterbacks. Okay, you know, so I think so. There wasn't a lot of excitement for him. I think it would have been a lot of eh, okay, you know, whatever. I guess they needed a quarterback. Um, as, but as far as like, I think when he started off well, um, I think there was not so much angst. But like, it, what it did is because they weren't in the same position as Giants, where they had to make a choice. Here right. it was, well, this guy's playing. Why isn't this guy playing? And why isn't Dwayne Haskins doing this? Well, you know, clearly you see that with Daniel Jones, there's still stuff that he has to learn or has to clean up. I mean, especially with the turnovers. Yeah. So that, I, I just, like, that part doesn't surprise me a lot because that's kind of what you saw. And, um, you know, and, and we even saw that when, you know, early in the year is, is the start in New York. I mean, he. Yep. I think if there was a better back to back possession, he threw interceptions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's you know your rookies in the NFL. These, yeah, that's part of the learning curve. There's been a lot to like. I'll be honest. There's been a lot to like. Yeah. Uh, You don't know if ultimately he's going to be a great quarterback, but I think what we do know, and I've been saying this for a while now, is we know that the that his floor is average to you know quality quarterback, which is pretty good when you're talking about draft quarterbacks because the amount of them that are just absolute flops and busts is a huge is big. Even in the top ten. Yeah. So if you 10. even if if your floor is average to pretty good, that's a good start. Now it's the question is yeah. wh- wh- how, where can he max out at? So and I think the one thing the one thing that I like about him is the ability to extend plays, and that and obviously yeah, I he think does that's always that. important, always important. But I think more and more in 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 the modern game, you need a guy who can do that, and um, and that's the one thing that I think with Haskins. 
that he has to get to be able to do consistently. Now, he lowered his body fat already this year from like 17% to 13%. He's moving better, but he's not, he's not, I would not describe him as an athlete. He's never going to turn into like this big runner no. or this big mover. No, that, that's never going to be he, his strength. No, but what, you know, and it's funny because he had like a, he did have a 23, I think it was 23 yard run the other day. And, um, as a, as just as a sarcastic tweet, um, I tweeted out something that said electrifying. And I said that because back in the day when Griffin was here, he had a 76 yard touchdown run against the Vikings mm-hmm. in which the famous radio call for DC was electrifying. So I'm like, <laughs> well, I guess this is the new version of electrifying for the Redskins fans, but he can move better than you think, but he's never going to be that guy that just like eludes you in the pocket with, right. his, you know, little quick dip and spin and, and suddenly you're like, you know, what you see Burrow doing at LSU and what you see some of these other guys doing here. Um, that's just not his game, but he can, he is more mobile than, and the phrase is always more mobile than you think, but yeah. which, you know, which means he has some level of mobility. You want to just be able to move at least. Sure. You got to be able to at least escape some pressure. You don't yeah, have to be yeah. able, you don't have to run. You have to be able to navigate the pocket though. And extend plays a little bit right. when you can. And he did, he's done that a few times. He did that last week where he stepped up in the pocket. Um, there's some pressure, steps up. And instead of running, he could have gotten five, six, seven yards running. It was a first down. It would have been okay. You get six, seven yards. But he keeps his eyes up, and he slides along the line of scrimmage and hits Terry McLaurin for 17 yards. And so that's the stuff that he should be able to do and can do. Real quick on our old friends, how they doing? Landon Collins and Eric Flowers. Bill Callahan actually <laughs> raved about Eric Flowers today, thought he was going to do really well in free agency, and said he's probably been their, their best offensive lineman. <laughs> Uh, he has been amazingly better than everybody thought. You know, and it's funny because when they signed him, I mean, we all know the reputation with him as a player. And they did move him to guard, um, but they couldn't do it until about midway through training camp because they had so many injuries at tackle, he had to stay out there. And my thought was always, well, bad technique just transfers. And there have definitely been times where he'll give up, he'll whiff on a block, he'll do this, he'll do that. But overall, they, he's been, I'd say he's been very solid. And to, to the point, Jordan, that during the Pro Bowl announcement stuff last night when their right guard, Brandon Sheriff, made the Pro Bowl, I'd get like 6, 10, 12 tweets saying, what about Eric Flowers? I'm like, this is where wow. this has come. Because, because when, That's how far season, we've come. Yeah, and at the start of the season, it was they have no chance to win because they have Eric Flowers at left guard. I think what it also tells people is like, quit sweating over the left guard, for God's sake. Yeah. You know? I mean, it, it matters. Trust me, it matters. But not to the degree that it didn't. The, the, it didn't matter to the degree that fans thought it did or should. You just have to be. You have um, to have confidence. You, you need some got, confidence. Like, he's got there. size. He uses his size in there, and then the, they use a lot of power runs. So that's good for him. And he has a good line coach in Callahan. So that was all good for him. And so he's been good. And Landon Collins has been what you would anticipate. He's been really good against the run. And he's had some issues in the past game. And, you know, when he, when he has to cover one-on-one, guys are able to get into him and get out and, right. and get open. And you guys know that. Um, but he's really good against the run. He's, a, he's, he's a an excellent tackler. 111 tackles. He's, he's, he's a great tackler. And he nine – and he's sorry, fantastic. eight tackles for a loss, which is really good for a safety. Well, because – and you know why? And this is what I – this is the thing I really like about him is that, as you guys know, he's very smart. And he reads well on the run game. And so he's able to get through in situations that I think others may hesitate coming through. He sees it and he gets it. And, that, and that's what I, I – I can see him having a bigger impact 
um, down the road here too as the Redskins get whether you know def- different scheme defensively whatever and just use him even more exclusively in the box. Um, but um, you know it's when he has to get matched one on one against a good tight end or something like that. Well, he's going to have issues. Nothing he, new. He's nothing better, new there. No, nothing new. Better in zone and that's but but his. Impact as a run defender has been very good, which is funny because a run defense still isn't very good. But right. he has been very good. Well, he, you know, look, we've seen this before. One player doesn't make a team. You want to have good, no, good players no, as possible, but they have not. they have other problems. So let's play yep. a little pick your poison, okay? Uh, we'll All give right. you two choices. Which one are you going to take, right? You're the Washington Redskins right now. You get a chance, a redo at the draft. Daniel Jones and Dwayne Haskins are there. Who are you taking? Pick your poison. Well, if you're the if you're the Redskins, you're taking Dwayne Haskins because the owner and the team president that was the, what they wanted to do. So that's who they're taking. I think if who's John Conn taking? I'm probably taking Brian Burns from Florida State <laughs> <laughs> or, or Devin Bush. That but wasn't I, an I, option, you know, John. I know, I know. Um, I would. I mean, I think Jones was was definitely more ready, and um, I, I'm yeah. I will say this at the time he's probably more of a sure back, thing at this point. Whereas Haskins yeah, is still sort of like, yeah, all right, we're hoping he develops. But I, there's right, potential, I think, but we're still I, we're hoping. Yeah, I think there's I think there's still more ways to go before you get to the point where you say, okay, now I feel good, solid about his future. All right, Bruce Allen. Or Dave Gettleman. <laughs> what choices, man? Dave Gettleman um, won, uh, traded for Leonard Williams in the middle of the season, by the way, and Leonard Williams is about to become a free agent. Oh my God! Um, <laughs> I mean, this is a bad choice. <laughs> yeah, but you got I don't know how, you got to pick the pick your poison. Let's go pick your poison. Well. I would say because I'm here, and if any Redskins fans hear that and I say anything but Gettleman, they probably come and try and hang me. I will say <laughs> this: I'm not. I am not a Bruce Allen fan. I mean, a Gettleman fan at all. But I would take Dave Gettleman over Bruce Allen. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, his, you're yeah. ta- you're going on a long time of just complete incompetence. A real long, a real long time of doing that, and and that's why I say like, even though like. You know, Gettleman's chased guys off and done this and all that, but um, I would still have to go in that direction. All right. Landon Collins, you know, you're back in free agency. You just spent all this money on Landon Collins. But you let a good player go, Preston Smith, who has 11 and a half sacks. You get a redo. Do you spend that money on Preston Smith or Landon Collins? Well, it depends. Are you going to use them the same way that they did in the past? Let's say you have a new regime coming in. You're starting all over. Then you get then you take the young pass rusher. I agree. So that was a mistake by the Washington Redskins. Chalk it up. Put another one on Bruce Allen's resume. There You're you looking go. at the overall rosters of the Giants and the Redskins right now. Who are you taking? Two, three, and eleven teams. By the way, mm. Giants have next to nothing on defense, but they do have some nice offensive players. Redskins have guys. Splattered about here and there, Trent Williams somewhere, uh, kind of, sort of on their roster. Well, they have, uh, but this, minimal, minimal weapons. Yeah, and the thing that I like about 
the Redskins rosters, I think defensively they have a lot of guys, 25 and younger, who, who are key players. I like that. Offensively, you know, you don't know you don't know yet about Haskins long term. You don't know who's going to be the running back next year because Darius Geis is coming off an injury. Adrian Peterson will be, you know, thirty. One hundred thirty. Or yeah, he might be a hundred by that. By this, I don't know. But um, so you got that. Um, and you know, so where are you going? Who are you taking? I probably would lean more. T- See, the problem is, like, I like, I actually like a lot of the Redskins roster with their young guys. I mean, they, they're, they, they don't. Have so pick to the Redskins. Yeah, I'm going. It's to, okay. I'm going to. Just you're not uh, hurting anybody's I, feelings but, over here. Well, I'm not. No, but here's the problem: is the problem isn't so much the roster. It's like, do I am I taking everything else with it? That's where I would hesitate. Yeah, well, because like I, I probably, I think, I think I probably would take. Uh, I think I mean, this is a really tough one. I, I think I'd probably go with the Redskins roster. All now, you know what? I go with the Giants roster because I, I I would take Daniel Jones over Dwayne Haskins right now. And I, yeah, I think that's, that's, I think that position weighs over everything else in my in my opinion. yeah. And that's and that's 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 why I had the hesitation because if you think he's the better quarterback, then that's what you want, and you want to have that starting block because if you don't, that's what you have to go get. All right, so pick your poison. You have to do one of these two. What do you do? You Take the Reds, the the Redskins press box food spread, right? Oh, geez, this is easy. Or the Redskins press box view. Which do you take? Which is better? Now, let me explain. Redskins press box spread is infamous and infamously known as the worst in the league, pretty much. I don't think there is one worse. Uh, the hot dogs—they're like yellowish green. They used to be. You don't. The, you, you, you don't. You don't want to go there. It, it's. It, it just hasn't. It does. It's not. Let's just be be honest. It, it's not good. Okay. They now it's gotten a little bit better. I heard, but not good still. And then the press low box bar. view. What's that? Low bar. It is a very low bar. And then there's the Redskins. Most teams, I'm pretty much like ninety. What do you say? Like nine out of every ten stadiums. Has like the press box between the, you know, on the field to play between the goal line and goal line. Yeah, the Redskins have it basically in the, the corner of the end zone where you can't yeah. see anything. It's a, you're blocked by bars and, and pillars and stuff. And so it, it's one of the worst press box views that there is. Agreed? Yes, no doubt. And I think the food is one of the worst too. So, which one are you taking? Like, which is which is the worst of the worst? Like, which one is is the least of two evils? I guess lesser of two evils. Well, I've learned how to survive with the view because you do get the TV feed right there as well. So, I probably take the view because the food. You know, I can work around the food. I can bring my own. I could go get something. There's tents down there that have. I probably could go stop in and get stuff at. I think I can work around that, but so the food is just bad. Yeah, I mean, and at halftime, they'll don't. But here's the thing, though. I like the cookies and I like the brownies, and um, they've been doing an ice cream bar at halftime the last couple games, so that's been better. So you know, but it just the hot dogs and stuff. It just it's just not. It's not. You're when you're there, you're eating because your stomach tells you it's time to eat. Yeah, that's people why. are throwing their phones right now. This is totally first world. 
sports writer problems right here that we're talking about. There's no doubt about but it. But it's important. <laughs> it is. All right, John Keim, we appreciate it. We killed it as always. On to the next one. All right, Jordan. Ah, yes. Thank you to John Keim for that excellent segment. And we learned a little bit about the Redskins and really the incompetence of both teams. And now we will get directly, because I'm talking like this, in this weird voice, into Giants after dark. And this is where I answer all your deepest, darkest Giants questions. We're going to start today with at Bobby Madelon. He says, can you explain who the main decision maker for the Giants is when it comes to drafting players, which players we get from free agency, and which players we trade for or trade away? Is it mainly DG, Dave Gettleman, Shermer, Mara, or someone else? It is definitely the general manager who is the main person when it comes to those things. Now, the way the Giants operate, they have a lot of cooks in the kitchen. That's uh, that's how I always like to explain it. Like, everybody kind of gives their decision and gives their evaluation on draft prospects, and they put them into a big pot, and they have a grade. And then it's the general manager's job to sort of set the, help to set the board, and then ultimately the general manager makes the final decision, but the coach, which is obviously Shermer right now, the owner is Mara, and even the you know the draft boss kind of guy, whoever's in that role now, it's Chris Pettit. <coughs> they all give their opinion, and but then it's Dave Gettleman's job to then ultimately pick pick make the final decision. Next question goes to at Gabe Herschel. He says, since Evan Ingram is injury prone and contract is up after twenty twenty. What should the Giants do with him? Now, see, here's the benefit of having a first-round pick, okay, is that you get a 50-year option. And I know people are like, oh, he's always injured. We know he stinks. He's, he strains his neck Look, watching TV. But the reality is, is Evan Ingram has a 50-year option available to him, and it'll be in like, I don't know, $6 million for like, because he wasn't a top-10 pick. It was the bottom half of the round. It was $6 million last year for tight end or somewhere around there. So it'll be about like seven, let's say seven, seven million dollars for 2021 if you pick up that 50 year option. Now the only way he comes back and bites them in the butt completely is if Evan Ingram can't pass the physical and is injured and is never really able to come back again. Okay. And doesn't, isn't able to play. Then the Giants are on the hook for that seven million dollars, but he, it's not like he's having, I guess he is having foot surgery now which is the problem, so it becomes a little more difficult. But still, $7 million for a tight end is not a terrible risk because, I mean, $7 million puts him, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13th among tight ends. Puts him in like the Jack Doyle, Cameron Brait range. So for one year, it certainly a, a, seems like a pretty good risk. I mean, if you put Evan Ingram out there in the open market, I guarantee you, there would be a good market. I mean, Nick Boyle, who's a blocker for the Ravens, gets $6 million a year. So $7 million is more than reasonable for Evan Ingram to sort of slap that tag on him, keep him for 2021 as well, at least for now. could always pull it, actually, and then see, see, see where you're at after next year. Hope that he can stay healthy. Now, it's a problem that he hasn't been able to stay healthy, but you see if he can. Still a good player. Still has a valuable skill set. They just have to figure out how to use it and keep him as healthy as possible. At Kwaku Chief 7 says, I'm confident DG, which is Dave Gettleman, is gone. So would you like the combo of Louis Riddick-Marul, 
Daniel Jeremiah, Matt Rule. Ed Dodds, Matt Rule. Nick Casario, Matt Rule. As you can see, I like Matt Rule. What are your thoughts? Uh, this is a tough one because, to be quite honest with you, it's really hard to grade or know which talent evaluators are actually good because, first of all, you never know who's making the decisions. And last we actually checked is, uh, you know, Lewis Riddick hasn't been in the front office for a while. Like, we don't really know who's responsible for picking. Now, what I do like is that most of these guys you mentioned are progressive and forward-thinking and I could sit there and say, I would like the approach I think that Lewis Riddick would take. So I think I would, I, I do like him. Daniel Jeremiah, smart guy as well. I like the way he deduces stuff and then just his, uh, his thought process. Nick Casario also entices me. I really don't know a lot about it, the Ed Dodds. I'll be honest with you. So I'm pretty good with all of those, especially when you're talking about the Giants because it's outside blood. Okay, now maybe I'm a little impartial, and I'm going to say I like Lewis Riddick the best just because I probably know him the best, and I know the way he thinks, and I know the way he would go about it. He's stern, right? He's not afraid to make decisions, but at the same time, he's progressive and forward-thinking. So I think Lewis Riddick, to me, would be one that I, I would I would really look at positively. Uh, at 22, Steve says, if Gettleman and Shermer are fired, would Mara want new coach to be on board with Daniel Jones? This is kind of what we talked about with, uh, John Kime there and with ownership being so invested in, uh, Dwayne Haskins that the new coach would almost have to be. I think in a way you probably would like the same thing for the Giants and it would probably work out that way. Someone would really have to blow them away and come up with a great plan if they would be like, okay, I'm going to come on board, but I want a new quarterback. I want to get rid of Daniel Jones. I want to draft Tua or whatever, whoever it may be because there's a lot to like about Daniel Jones. And I don't think there's going to be many people who are sitting there saying he's not the guy. We can't go forward with this guy. I have this system. I need this quarterback. Like Daniel Jones is good enough, I believe, where almost every coach is going to be on board with saying, I would be okay with that quarterback. I could do something with him. I could make this work. I, we, I can develop him. So I think John Marrow would probably lean in that direction, and it would take an awful lot to convince him otherwise. So. I do think he, he does want the, co- the new coach to be on board with Daniel Jones because they just invested a number six overall pick in him. Okay, that's a huge investment. And he's shown enough, I believe, and I think most people around the league believe, that you have something there to work with. So, at G-Man asked me, and this is because I put an Instagram video out there the other day, I asked if it was right or wrong that my wife sent me outside to be grilling it was 33 degrees in a light freezing rain, and I was grilling chicken. So he, at G-Men says, grilling in freezing rain is a no-no unless you could decide on your own to do it. Cannot be asked to do it. I agree to some extent that you shouldn't be asked to do it, but I will also say this. I was just joking around and complaining. You should be able to just go outside Light fire up the grill, put some chicken on for five minutes, and suck it up and be able to do it. You shouldn't be a wuss. And I, I granted I am a wuss. In this specific instance, though, I was a little under the weather. 
So that had me in a little cranky mood where I didn't, I thought this wasn't what I wanted to be doing at the time to be standing out in the freezing rain. And I, I, as you maybe could tell, I'm a little stuffed right now and I've coughed throughout this whole entire podcast all over this microphone. I feel bad for anyone that has to ever come in here again to that point. So I'm going to blame that on having to go outside and grill in the freezing rain in the dead of winter in New Jersey. It stinks, but. Generally, I'm willing to do it. On to the next one. That's going to be the end of this episode of Breaking Big Blue. I'll give you a real quick prediction for the must-lose game. Giants, Redskins. Giants on a one-game winning streak coming into this game. Hey, you got to work with what you got here. The Giants actually did win two in a row at one point this season. Remember, because they beat said Redskins team. But that was in MetLife Stadium. That was when Daniel Jones was hot and fresh. Now he's coming back in this one, but the Redskins are playing better. I think the Redskins are playing better than the Giants right now. And I see a Washington victory at home, let's say 28-27. to 27. A thriller at FedEx Field, beautiful FedEx Field. Well, I will begrudgingly be eating that horrible press box food and watching the game from this terrible view. And I am really whiny, cranky complainer today on this podcast, and I apologize for that. But with that, that's the end of this Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Rana. Feel free to send me your questions anytime. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, email. You know where to reach me. And download this podcast. Tell your friends. Give it a good rating and pass it along. We need to grow. We need to get bigger. We need to get more popular because, frankly, I want everybody to be listening to this. I want everyone to be entertained and hear my crankiness. That's the end of this episode of Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan. See you next time.